1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are listening to a rad Religion Broadcasting premier podcast, Damn You Hollywood, and here's your host, Robert Winfrey. Yay! All right. Oh, I should sound better now, too. You do sound. You sound like you now. You don't sound like you have a cold.
2: Yeah, um, my... I had to reset a setting. It was trying to use the microphone in my webcam instead of the microphone that's attached to my headset. So we should be good now. Yeah. All right, everyone, with that little bit of technical shit out of the way. Welcome to Damn You, Hollywood. Tonight we are talking about Firestarter. I'm a Firestarter.
1: I'm a Firestarter. I'm a Firestarter. Is that a real thing? I, I don't want to... I don't want to go to YouTube, pull up <laughs> Prodigy Firestarter, and play it for you, and then we're demonetized. Just okay. yes, it's a it's a song by Prodigy. You
2: uh, ain't I got no culture. I have culture, sir. Winfrey. It's ain't not got your. No. It's just not your culture. <laughs> Pat, Pat's hanging out with us tonight.
1: Pat wanted to record with me, and I said no. I have a steady I have a steady date with Robert Winfrey on Tuesday nights. And so he's instead just hanging out and uh, cheering us on from the sidelines. And he says, Mark sounds like Mrs. Garrett in the intro. Girls, 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 girls,
2: this I knew Garrett you were going to do that.
1: <laughs> girls, girls,
2: girls. And just, I've just given you enough time to <laughs> make the obvious <laughs> connection there and let you, let you do your thing. Yep. Thank you. So, That's why we yeah, work well t- together. Tonight we are discussing Firestarter, the 2022 remake slash reboot slash other adaptation of the Stephen King novel. It is a Uh, remake
1: of the 1984 uh, movie that was, in fact, an adaptation of the novel of the same name.
2: Sure. (laughs) I don't know why you'd have to say it's... I'm just saying, I don't know why you have to call this a remake. It's not actually a remake of that movie. It's a different adaptation of the same source material that doesn't make it a remake. But yeah. What do I know? I only advocate for words having meaning.
1: Sir, I don't know if you read 1984, but George Orwell said this was going to happen, and it did. And you are now living in the age of doublespeak.
2: Yeah, we are kind of an Orwellian language nightmare, aren't we?
1: Have been for quite some time now, you heard. Up a skirt.
2: It, it's no, no, no. Like, that's not the same thing.
1: I know it's not, but it, it's still <laughs> funny to do that, especially with you.
2: Yeah, but the last <laughs> couple of years, that has really accelerated. Yes.
1: So, yes, here we are with. Uh, society
2: crumbles. We're here to discuss Firestarter. <laughs>
1: well, there's the comment to beat everybody, as per usual.
2: Uh, <laughs> Mark, why are you so easy? <laughs> <laughs> so if you're interested in the discussion of the 1984 variation of this particular source material, Mark and I uh, believe that was Jesse Starcher.
1: Nope, oh. Evan Bevins. Evan the godly, Evan, yeah. the saintly, the good to his mother. He walks on water. He turns water into wine. Some language, Evan Bevins. <laughs> <laughs> He he has one issue with me and I will not let it go. He's not a
2: fan of your excessive profanity. He is. I think he said to me
1: once that, like, my mom might watch this. So I just want to warn them that people who, you know, are in my particular social circle may need to be warned about your salty language. But as I am wont to do. I can't take even the slightest bit of criticism without <laughs> without countering
2: it and beating it that's to death. Tr- that's true. That's so, true. So, you can listen to I the am review.
1: a big, meaty man slapping meat.
2: <laughs> Not on the air, please. So we don't want to get demonetized that quickly.
1: <laughs> it's good to know that that's your only issue with it. Arr.
2: <laughs> Look, you don't want my long diatribe <laughs> about anything related Public to that. Public masturbation? Anything saying, related sir. to that. I got it! So, Firestarter, the 2022 version, primarily stars Zach Efron and... Wrong page up. Oh... Uh, right. Sidney Lemon. Zac Efron as Aunt,
1: Okay. Ryan Kira Armstrong as Charlene hey, Ryan or Kira Charlie. Kirkwood Smith as Dr. Joseph Wanless. John Beasley as Irv Manders. Michael Grey Eyes as John Rainbird. And Gloria Rubin as Captain Jane Hollister.
2: Yeah, a more forgettable cast of characters. You will not encounter this side of your average <laughs> network sitcom.
1: Uh-huh.
2: So, the thrust of this, the plot basically goes as follows. Uh, our two leads, uh, again, played by Zach, uh, Zach Efron's kind of the one that matters, but they agreed to be part of an experimental trial it, when they were in college. They were injected with some chemical and it gave them superpowers, sort of. Uh, Zach Efron gained the ability to. Uh, I was kind of surprised to find out that this was stolen for the movie Push, but this uh, actually Stephen King did come up with this. He gains the ability to get inside your head and kind of push you into doing what he wants you to do. Uh, His wife develops telekinesis, but doesn't like to use it, and there's a pretty big cost associated with his whenever he uses it. They get married, they have a kid, and their kid starts manifesting, when she's born, uh, pyrokinetic abilities that by the end of this movie turns into she does everything because reasons this is the phoenix i was gonna say captain marvel but okay yeah either way uh so they are on the run from this shady government agency that is trying to capture charlie and do nefarious things as government agencies are wont to do uh, so, our first little bit is getting introduced to the characters. Then the mom dies when a bounty hunter that would be Mr. Rainbird, sent by the by our nefarious Captain Hollister, tries to kidnap them. Uh, Zach Efron and Charlie go on the run. They're captured. They're eventually captured because, of course, they are. Well, Zach Efron is. Charlie then decides to try and break him out. Q sort of action sequence she burns down most of the facility uh including her father who kind of encourages her to do so so that she can escape Uh, she winds up loosely being carried off into the moonset by mr rainbird and please please be successful enough for us to start a franchise this is a nothing movie
1: all right yeah we were talking before the show started tonight this might be one of our shorter reviews because you know Unlike the Northman, where we just spent a lot of it reflecting and talking and dissecting, and it almost went three hours to the point where it it broke the network up the first time. Um, This time around, this might be one of our shorter reviews, because neither one of us have all that much to say. This is the one of the things I said uh, before we started tonight that I was talking to Robert about was my big complaint about the 1984 Firestarter was... Other than it's a bit, a bit on the slow side, it's not particularly well paced. And I don't know if the nonlinear storytelling really adds anything to it or not. But that's a, that's a debate for another time. And you can hear me and Evan Bevin's got to kick that around a bit uh, from last week's show. But the one thing I said was I hope in the new one, they really do something with, uh, with the pyrokinesis. And th- yeah, this time mm. around, more lively on screen. But at a... How long was this movie? Uh, at no, God, this is 94 minutes long. This felt like three hours. It feels, at least,
2: it feels at least two. It feels like I there's watched, another 30 minutes here.
1: Yeah, I I watched this on Peacock because there's no way I was going to the theater to watch this if I didn't have to. And I'm the guy that advocates go to the theater to watch stuff. This wasn't worth my time. And so I watched it in bed and I was telling Robert that I was on the phone. I was in chats with different people And so I was kind of only half paying attention and I was trying to, but like I would, there's only so many scenes of Zac Efron looking sad, you know, looking like Jason Bateman from Ozark that I was like, I, what is happening in this movie? And and in just like the 84, it all builds up to the escape from the compound where she sets everything on fire. And like that stuff looks kind of cool. I think they do more with it. It's bigger. It's more dynamic. It's more graphic.
2: I mean it's it's certainly better than a movie that's thirty years old almost.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But it's a sadly it, there's no tension in that sequence. And it's no, really it, odd. No, she because
1: it's it's just like it's just like the eighty-four when she just walks out and almost emotionlessly just sets fire to everything. The fire just looks cooler, is all my is all my point. Yeah. You know, Drew Barrymore, God bless her, and the special effects team for the eighty-four version. She they're just shooting at her and things are blowing up around her. It's it's a lot of pyrotechnics, um, and you know, and her looking kind of angry at the camera and like the bullets just sort of bursting into flames around her. Here, uh, this character, she's able to do a little bit more and she's able to show a little bit more emotion, but she's still just sort of zombie walking towards the camera during all of this. And, and it was a missed opportunity. Just, you know, and start like who's and whatnot. Um, just, just fireballs and magic missiles and things. Um it is like I said, this is a missed opportunity. As far as like the rest of the movie goes, like I said, Zach Efron's doing his level best here, and you know, we saw him in um absolutely evil, vile, and terrible and whatever the the movie
2: shockingly was. Dis- like shockingly evil, disgusting, and vile or whatever. Yeah, that. and he's
1: great in that. Yeah, and- I
2: I do want to give Zac Efron credit for a guy who started out as a total nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he's in, what was he, like High School Musical?
1: Yeah, like he was a Disney guy.
2: He, he's your little, like, tweener heartthrob. Right. Uh, over the last, like, five-ish years, maybe a little bit longer than that, he's mm-hmm. put in the effort to become a more, like, legitimate actor. Yeah, he's got and, and he deserves credit for that he mm-hmm. actually try. he brings some gravitas to this not much because he's not given anything to do other than look sad right but, like you and i have seen too too many people crumble under the weight of even hey look sad <laughs> to not at least give him the credit for you know he does kind of he holds up his end here
1: he effectively pulled off sad for 90 minutes um the mom and character he looks suitably,
2: and he looks suitably creepy when he's bleeding from the eyes and whatnot
1: I, I have to keep comparing it to the 84 version because other than that, I don't know what else I would say about this movie. But there is Martin Sheen um has a certain degree of nefariousness about his character in the 84 version. There's I mean, nobody really
2: Shane. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there's nobody really like that in this one. Like I I was struggling to, you know, you talked about there being just the movie is just utterly bereft of tension. And Part of that is there isn't a real identifiably vibrant villain in this. There are villains. There are there are bad guys doing bad things because they have bad intentions. But nobody I was thinking about because this is a Blumhouse thing you know, and Blumhouse is really trying to do its le- its level best to revive the horror genre. Um, and for all of its faults, at least with the Halloween movies. They, they seem to have understood the assignment and are yeah. doing their best with it. Um, they're not all winners. Certainly the first the first of the new Halloween was really, really good. The second one was was laughable. Golly knows what the third one's going to be. But there was at least something there. And so I was excited that Blumhouse was doing Firestarter because, again, the, the, they're the leading horror studio right now. Um, maybe it's them in Lionsgate. And... You will read the description of this. It's like it's a science fiction horror movie, and it's science fiction because of the pyrokinetics. That apparently qualifies. Uh, they
2: there's arrive nothing... at they arrive at that via fictitious science. So
1: there's nothing scary about this movie. And for no. the studio that's supposed to specialize in scary, I don't know how you mess that up. Like how, how do you produce a movie with zero scares in it? And it, it's the movie just has a melancholy about it. And it's like, you have. I don't understand, like, like Evan Bevins talked about the, the novel a lot when we did the On Trial. And he was like, I like the 84 version because it accurately represents the novel. And I, I was thinking about that. And I'm like, is the novel utterly bereft of, of horror elements too? Hey,
2: this is one of the, I'm going to have to go on reputation. This is one of the very few Stephen King books I haven't read. Mm-hmm. So bearing in mind that I, there are going to be details I'm wrong about here. Firestarter gets its sense of dread from being a chase story. Like we are, you spend a lot of time in that book with them literally on the run, right? Not, you know, established. So there's a lot of there's a lot of tension from the kind of you know the ticking clock, or the enemy that's you know right behind you. Uh, there's a you get a fair amount of despair when they're captured, because uh, that sequence goes on for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that like they spend. Uh, months after in captivity. Uh, and so you get a little bit there, but no, it, Firestarter's not, from what I understand, a terribly scary entry into King's Pantheon. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I think... I mean, well, let me put it like this. I think the book does a better job of conveying some of the kind of innate fear around your emotionally unstable 5-year-old being able to turn your house into a bonfire <laughs> in ways that this movie just absolutely avoided and even yeah. the 84 version doesn't lean too heavily into that
1: it's funny you bring that up um it's also funny how just things tend to work out so i'm i still have a lot of our old i mean old like earlier from, from earlier this year podcast all on my my podcast app I just haven't gotten around to listening to sometimes i listen to things immediately like i immediately listen to dr strange because that was that show was hilarious to me and i was curiously how it, it was i was i was so entertained while doing it i wanted to go back and immediately listen to it other stuff that i do i just kind of leave on there and sometimes i don't even listen to them i was just today listening to the february <coughs> review that alexis and i did for um the last looney tunes iteration and the valentine's day special <clears throat> and related to this movie with so much rehashing of previously established ip you are now when you are employed in hollywood as a screenwriter when you are you know tasked with remaking some of this stuff it, it, it's just it's it's a gig i don't know how much of this is these are passion projects you know people that are coming together because they truly believe in the material and they have a vision and they want to see that vision come to life i think in many cases because hollywood is churning out so much stuff to fill the shelves of the infinite shelf of streaming, plus the traditional theater, plus television, and, and I mean like TV shows, that yeah, I, I think they're hiring a lot of staff writers and just a lot of working screenwriters in Hollywood that don't have any attachment to the IP. And that's fine, except that I
2: think you need. Th- you don't necessarily need the writer to have the biggest attachment, but somebody in the creative process has to have some kind of a handle on what we're doing here.
1: And everybody feels like they're just working the line at the auto shop. There's no investment in this. It's just, they were given an assignment by the studio, make Firestarter. And there might have been some, you know, I I don't, I don't want to say that these people are not giving it their all. They might. I, I think that the talent pool in today's Hollywood, isn't nearly as good as it was say in the late 70s early 80s but that's a whole other discussion um I will tell you or even or even the mid 90s given some of the stuff that <laughs> that came out in that period but I feel like just using firestarter as an example like they hired writers to come in rewrite this project uh and they don't I think they may or may may have read the book who knows I I, I'm sure I, they read. To,
2: the, I'm sure they read the cliff notes.
1: Here's what I said to Alexis at the time: It doesn't feel like anyone understands why things were popular. Like obviously, Firestarter is getting remade because <clears throat> it has some sort of a following from the from the '84, and obviously, the novel had to have been popular, or nobody would bother. So, and I don't think anyone really sits and thinks about why things are popular. We do. We talk about it constantly, but we are two schlubs with podcasts. If you're a working Hollywood screenwriter, I don't know how much thought you're given to really waxing philosophical about why this thing is popular and this thing isn't, why this is registering, why this isn't. Yeah. It's one of those, and I know, and I hate to continually bash the studio, but it's like it's one of those Marvel things where everyone now just sort of accepts that Marvel is popular, but nobody nobody asks why or how it got to be that way or what was the success. They just. Or how you know...
2: do we stop this particular Titanic <laughs> from sinking?
1: Yeah, nobody understands what they had. And when it goes away, no one will understand what they did to destroy it. Yeah. Um, in the case of Firestarter, and this is really my only like last point on this, I don't think they know
0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Why Firestarter resonates in the culture in the way that it does. And so when making uh, this to, movie. To whatever
2: extent that it does. I mean, yeah. there's no guarantee that it does at all. Uh,
1: I, I just don't think that. In coming to, you know, I think they looked at the 84 version. I think they looked at cliff notes from the book. I think they got notes from the studio and they put something out there and just kind of went, I guess this works. I don't know. I get paid either way. (laughs) Like, like there's no, this movie just so lacks in any kind of perspective. It just seems like a cover band. It's funny. I'm actually going to see uh, a Bon Jovi cover band June 11th and not to say that all cover bands are this way. This might not be the world's even best example of this, but it, it just feels like, you know, a bar band sort of playing the hits and there's no real, like, passion for it. There's no feel. There's no uh, connection with the audience. It's like, here we are. Here's, 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 here's you going to love a bad name. Here's, here's yeah. uh, you know, here's Raise Your Hand. Here's, you know, uh, steal, uh Wanted Dead or Alive. And it's all—it's with all the passion of you know shoe salesmanship. So
2: I hey hey, you be nicer to Ed Bundy.
1: <laughs> it's all the passion of wow, grave Bundy. digging.
2: God, wow,
1: wrong Bundy. <laughs> this Bundy or that Bundy? We
2: were we were talking about Ted Bundy earlier, and now I'm all messed up. But yeah, be nicer yeah, to be nicer to Ed, Ed O'Neill.
1: You're also losing a wrestling match with your camera, apparently.
2: Yeah, I think we're going to leave that alone for the moment.
1: It's fine. You need you to put up like a pretty picture, though. I need it I need a picture, not uh, not not the not the vibrating white circle.
2: I don't know how to fix that. At the <laughs> okay, well, let's
1: not fix it on air either. That's really all I have to say about this. Like I said, this is the shortest review we're ever gonna do because, like, how many more times can I say that this was dull, has no perspective, acted competently, but so what? and the only good thing about it is the last few minutes where the girl blows a lot of stuff up, and that's only because it's a little bit better than what they did with Drew Barrymore 30 years ago. Your witness, sir. 40 years ago.
2: Yeah, it is closer to 40. Uh, nope. I don't have a whole lot here. This is not a terribly well-made movie. I don't just mean writing. Uh, it's badly lit for a yeah. big chunk of it. Yeah, this was uh, lit
1: like a fucking haunted house movie.
2: Yeah, it's it's not it's not very visually appealing. The writing's a little bit all over the place. Do
1: you uh, remember that scene in Breaking Bad? I think it might have been in the finale, the, the series finale, where Skylar is at the kitchen table and um, uh, Heisenberg, what was his name in the show, his actual name? Walter White.
0: Walter,
1: Walter White walks in and the whole thing is sort of, the whole scene is lit by sundown. So it's, yeah. it's dark and it's shadowy and it's made to represent her state of mind when he comes in. You know, after he's been away all this time in the woods living deliberately, he comes back for his final hurrah and he meets with Skylar this one last time. And she's just, it's just utterly soulless. you know. And she, she's sort of just grasping at the final straws of life when he sees her again. Everything in this movie is lit like that scene.
2: Without any inkling about why it works in that in the other context, right?
1: It's, That's why I made it, that
2: comparison. It's it's very badly lit. Uh, and yes. I, I give Zach Efron credit for working hard to become a better actor. Uh, he certainly tries. The lack of villain here is a real, real problem. They don't want Rainbird to be a big villain because they need him to make the heroic turn at the end, right? And for some reason, they then decide, well, our next most obvious villainous candidate will be on screen for eight minutes (laughs) and vacillate wildly in terms of presentation. It's just a it's just bad. Yeah. And that's not surprising, considering Akiva Goldsman is one of the producers on it. You miserable sack of crap.
1: Okay. You good? Are we, are we ready to move on?
2: Uh, I mean, I can yell about Akiva Goldsman for longer if you'd like. I hate
1: that no, guy. I, 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 I can't see you, so I don't know if you're stopping talking, if you're going to be done talking or not. If we, uh, don't, look, I, I don't want to beat this to death like a horse, a horse that you beat to death because you're beating a dead horse. I understand um, your reference. Thank you. Uh, So we don't need to drag this out longer than it has to be. So if you've got something more to say, say it. Otherwise, let's just move on to the money. Uh,
2: This needed menace from somebody. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they decided that Charlie needs to have all the powers forever in the finale sequence. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now I can manipulate electronics, and I can push people, and I've got telekinesis, and I've got pyrokinesis. And why, oh, why... Was that the direction you chose to take this? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty big failure. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't have anything. This is not a well-written movie. The acting is acceptable. Nothing more than that, because the material won't ever let it rise above, some, above baseline acceptable. The effects are all right. They're just used too sparingly. I mean, there's... yeah.
1: If, if, you know, that was one thing about the eighty-four one is that you would see her do stuff. It was a lot of like boiling things, and so it was sort of almost like a Hitchcockian: we have to build, we have to build, we have to build, and then crescendo, she sets everything on fire. And you can do that; that's fine. Um, But I don't even think here you really get that with with her. You know, I don't you get her. Tra- like a...
2: You get her training montage,
1: right? So this felt more like New Mutants than it felt like Firestarter god help us all yeah yeah all right with that said here comes the money
0: money. money.
1: all righty with a budget of 12 million uh this thing pulled in 6.2 million as of this writing and it is important to know as much as you know we can beat on this movie for uh for its poor performance, it was also day and date on Peacock. Also, it its marketing campaign was not
2: great. I don't think I saw any legit. Like I saw a couple of le- of legitimate trailers for this. You know, starting a few weeks ago, like there was no. Yeah, there was no effort I, made.
1: I saw no in in theater trailers for this, and like I've been seeing trailers for like they're just now starting to show, show Thor. I've seen. Trailer, I saw a trailer for Avatar. I mean, like, I've been going to the movies. You know, how many times we've seen The Bullet Train, (laughs) which, by the way, it's moved its its state again. We've seen the bullet train trailer almost
2: every. Brad Pitt is the pacifist hitman, right?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, that we've seen the bullet train trailer almost every movie I've seen for the past like two, three months has had that bullet train trailer. I never saw one trailer for Firestarter. If it wasn't for the fact that I study this stuff and I do a movie podcast, I wouldn't have known this thing existed. I've been talking to people about, like, oh, hey, I'm reviewing the new Firestarter movie. The new what now? <laughs> <laughs> like, no one knows the hell I'm talking about. And, like, you know, you always make the crack about Peacock's not a real service. It's not like Peacock ran a heavy marketing campaign either. Peacock doesn't have like, a I, marketing division. I guess not. Like, you would have thought... There would have been like commercials. I mean, like you watch all the UFC stuff. UFC, well, that's ESPN. Never mind. um I I don't know what other sports are on Peacock where you know they might have shown. This was not in Billboard front of or something.
2: This was not in front of any professional wrestling material. Like that's there, a good one. Was, yeah, they was, just did backlash. Just, no. It should
1: have been. Don't you think it should have been like backlash? is brought to you by Firestarter. Nope. that's what I could recall.
2: Well, but you don't understand. There's no synergistic tie-in with any of the matches at Backlash. If we were having an Inferno match, then sure.
1: They could have set the Miz on
2: fire. I wish they would.
1: <laughs> All right. So here's the weekend. Uh, Doctor Strange maintained its position at number one. We, we no knew surprise. that would happen. Yeah. Um. Can we just but talk it about? Did,
2: it did take a hefty fall. Well, Andrew
1: um, Graham contests that that's only one percent change from another successful Marvel movie that did do a billion. But I, I, I want to go ahead and just sort of throw in the towel on this.
2: Okay, hang on. Look, to Andrew's point, yeah, that's true. But Far From Home also opened much bigger.
1: Okay, it was Far From Home that he was talking about. I couldn't remember. I right, I'm going to so. go. At, I'm going to go. At, no, I think you're right. I, I just honestly I couldn't remember it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of throw in the towel on this because I've been the big cheerleader of this movie will make a billion and that movie will make a billion. And I think it was, I was religiously tied to the 2019 mindset. It's, it's now three years later, and I think the year of the 10 or more billion-dollar pictures in a single year are gone, probably gone forever. And uh, I think the new normal – Until the, the new bottom top, changes. The, the new top is between 700 and $800 million, and And you've been saying this all along and and it's Robert Winfrey. Oftentimes it's easy to dismiss you because you're always so negative, but just because you're being negative doesn't mean you're wrong. (laughs) And, and you have been able to read successfully. I think read tea leaves and we can kind of go and we we've been talking about them, but so people understand what we're saying between the 45 day window, the day and date, the general, like I was talking to a woman a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, "Hey, do you want to go see a movie?" And she was like, "Oh no, I don't go to the movies anymore. Well, why don't you? Because I, I'm afraid I'll get I'll, I'm afraid I'll get sick." She was talking about the unnamed virus of unknown origin, but that's what she meant. Yeah, you know, like there are still people, like I said, out in the community still wearing masks and stuff. Like, like the possibility of getting
2: hey, hey, uh... hang on. There are very, very sad people still wearing masks at this point in time. <laughs> like, I don't know what you people are doing with very few specific medical exceptions there's no reason for it anymore well but
1: the by the same token i know two people that just got covid
2: i'm like, not say, i'm not saying the virus is gone right i'm saying the virus at this point is basically endemic yeah and there's nothing you can do about it get right. look look take the med- take the appropriate medical precautions
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, look if you if you feel like, like wearing life, a med-
1: if, if wearing wearing a mask either in your job or social environment makes you feel better and makes you think you've got a fighting chance of not getting sick, by all means, I'm not here to tell you not to wear one, nor am I going to put you down for wearing it. You, you do you, Boo. Um, my point only with bringing that up is that there are people who still don't go to the movies because they're afraid they're going to get COVID. Um, I know a few of them. So, yeah, they exist. So when you think about the conditions that existed in 2019, we had not yet had a pandemic. There were people that you're going to the movies was still a fun event. Streaming had not quite become as popular as it is now. And the movies were out and there were movies in the theaters for three months, not 45 days. All of those things have changed now. They're gone. Yeah, (laughs) it's all different. And without those things in place, I don't know how many movies besides something like No Way Home gets to a billion dollars. And so. How does that relate? I, I, we're one movie into this list for the weekend, but it's Doctor Strange. And you're like, at any other time, you would assume... I, here, here's the problem, with, I think, with Doctor Strange. One, the time we're living in. You know, three years ago, yeah. maybe a movie like this does still make a billion dollars because Marvel just does it like that. However, maybe. however... I also think the word on, the word got out on this rather quickly because it did have a big opening weekend. It had a It's like one of the most successful opening weekends in years. Oh, yeah.
2: Huge. Huge opening. Week.
1: However, once the word got out that there weren't 87 cameos from 106 different yeah. franchises and everyone went, fuck this movie. I'll just wait for it to be on Disney. You know? What
2: do you <clears> mean <throat> I don't get X-Men? What do you mean there's no Deadpool? Right. What do you, you mean? mean there's no Tom Cruise as the superior Iron Man as an alternate version of Tony Stark? Right. What do you mean we don't get to see? What do you mean there's no Marvel zombies? What do you mean there's no eighteen different multi? What do you mean there's whatever it was? Right. This is one of the things I was worried about with this movie. Like, if it's not if it's not going to be what you think it is in your head, people aren't going to rewatch it.
1: Could you imagine if No Way Home didn't have Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in it?
2: I would have been happier. I know, but I'm me.
1: (laughs) Boy, was that not the question being asked, sir?
2: Yeah, it, No, it, it, uh, once those rumors started flying, like, mm-hmm. if you want to know what I... Okay. I'm not going to call the MCU fanboys or the ecology that has sprung up around it the worst thing I'm aware of in fandom. Mm-hmm. Because I cover mixed martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you people... There was an event on Saturday and one of the fighters complained to her corner man between rounds about being gouged in the eyes. Wasn't really a gouge, but yeah, a little bit of an eye poke. Her corner man's response was, well, what'd you expect? She's a dirty effing Brazilian.
1: Oh my God. (laughs) You can't say that.
2: And this aired on ESPN. Now, Here's why I can't. Say, here's why I will not call the MCU fanboys for as vile as I find many of them, the worst things in the world. Because in the aftermath of this particular incident, the cornerman in question said, "Well, I guess cancel culture's real, buddy. You're not popular enough to be canceled." This is this is just what parts of the MMA community do. They for some reason have these stupid debates. About things that no one else debates. Like, no, that's terribly phrased, and you're probably going to face some serious consequences for that. I'm not saying you should be cut, but that's not a thing that anyone wants broadcast. This same fighter, actually, her her abusive ex-husband was in prison for a period of time. And actually has a swastika tattooed on his arm, which he got in prison because, well, if you're a white guy in prison, there's things you must do. Depending on your specific, that's just the nature of prison. I mean, let's not pretend otherwise, right? You got to get to a point here. Well, he's been out of prison for like ten years and refuses to cover it up or have it removed. And -hmm. this became a point of debate in the MMA community when he (laughs) forgot to cover it up during one of his cornering sessions, and people pointed out, "Hey." That guy's got a Nazi tattoo and not a subtle one. And his response was, you guys are a bunch of sensitive-ass mofos. About Nazi tattoos <laughs> on an ESPN broadcast in the year of our Lord. This was like 2018, <laughs> 2019. So this is what I have dealt with when, as a commentator in the MMA media space. I deal with these idiots. Mm -hmm. so i will not call the ecology of the mcu fanboys and the interminable speculation most of which is utter crap but it'll get clicks or the endless breakdowns of frame by frame breakdowns of trailers and movies and desperately trying to decode cryptic tweets and your own Terrible fan writing that you then try to pass off is what I think is going to happen, which then gets spun up into worlds of its own. That entire ecology is crap. It is one of the worst things in contemporary popular culture. It just is. So, to answer your question about Spider-Man, as soon as everyone started going, "Hey, wouldn't it be cool if dot dot dot," right? Well, it doesn't well, matter
1: what you say after that... In defense of them, when 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 the trailer first... When you first see the trailer, and it's Doc Ock, and it's Doc Ock played by the guy who played Doc Ock in Spider-Man, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. It's not an unfair leap.
2: No no, 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 no. Okay, by that point, no. By that point, it's, yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah. But... Uh, so let's take Doctor Strange as a slightly different example. Mm-hmm. How many people were out there going, we're going to see the X-Men? All of them. How many no, I people, get that. Yeah. And how many people <laughs> did the we're going to see Deadpool based on exactly zero evidence other right. than your own? Ooh, it's um, we're going to explore the multiverse. We're not going to explore the multiverse. We're going to go to one alternate reality. OK, I, I don't
1: want to debate this endlessly because all I was trying to say was this movie. The new normal may be at the high end of earning potential between seven and eight hundred million. About where the Batman landed, and you Probably. and we have already categorized what went wrong with the Batman that it get to get to a billion. But what if all of those things are true, but it was never going to get to a billion, not in the year of our Lord twenty twenty two, for the for the reasons stated at the top of this segment. Now we get to Doctor Strange, and you can make the excuse, and it, and I think it's a valid one that this did not live up to. Your point, the exceedingly overwrought, ridiculously high, yeah. unbelievable expectations of we're going to see everybody everywhere all the time in this movie. And when it didn't happen, everyone went, fuck it. I'll just see it on Disney Plus. But it what if help. they had?
2: Hang on. Didn't help that some of the spoilers that uh, that leaked out. I no. say I don't think that helped it at all.
1: No, but I but again, my what I'm positing so we can move this along and people understand what this discussion is about. I'm not entirely certain if even if you had Hugh Jackman and Tom Cruise and Howard the duck. And if you got,
2: if you got (laughs) Hugh Jackman, I think you might've been able to swing it.
1: Maybe. But my point is, I'm not sure we see another billion dollar movie for a while for all the previous reasons stated, even if it meets expectation. Um,
2: yeah, it's no. it's going to be a it's a rough road to try and get to that number with only with a limited window. Like that 45 yeah. day window is going to kill a lot of potential. Right.
1: Uh, and, and Spider-Man was in the theaters longer than 45 days. I don't know if Sony necessarily has. Um, I mean, I, I don't I'd have to go back and look if it was 45 days for it to go PVOD. It did not go to a direct subscription scre- streaming service. It might it might have went PVOD.
0: 18 plus
1: at 45 days, as is the now the, the universal standard. But I, I would have to go back and look specifically. And either way, it did you know everyone's like, when's it gonna be on Disney Plus? Never, it's a fucking Sony movie. <laughs> like, Sony doesn't have a streaming service, Sony kind of just makes deals with Netflix or whoever wants it. Um, moving on, we this sort of beat this to death. Uh, the bad guys maintained spot at number two and Sonic the Hedgehog, the most I think the most successful video game movie of all time.
2: No, I don't think it's made as much as the first Sonic movie. I'd have to double check, though.
1: It's it's I, it's somewhere up there. It's uh, up there. Th- that maintained its spot at number three. And Firestarter, the <laughs> the newest movie of the weekend in its debut weekend, debuted at number four. And you know what that means, Robert Winfrey of the Screaming Boy Podcast. <laughs> trash just trash yeah Um,
2: this one this one's not gonna do what i mean the entire metric for this movie is going to be different than most other wide releases anything that goes day and date mm
1: -hmm.
2: you have to just kind of accept that you're offsetting whatever financial hit you take in the box office returns with your with whatever the streaming service is paying for like that just has to be part of the math but this is not going to recoup. It's This is not going to make money purely ah. n- nickel and dime on the financial end of things, just from the box office. Right.
1: Everywhere, Everything, everywhere, all at once. One of the best-made movies of the year, from what I've been told, one that we're reviewing in, I think, two weeks. Uh, that debuted at number five. Uh, that maintained its spot at number five um, and had a change of 184. Uh, so that's... that's is that 184 theaters? Yeah, 184 yeah. theaters. So, you know, like, that's catching fire. Now, that, I think... Went PVOD as of today, Uh, so we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. Uh, Fantastic Beasts: The Secrets of Dumbledore fell from four to six. The (laughs) Northman fell from six to seven. Lost City seven to eight. Family Camp debuted at number nine. The unbearable weight of massive talent fell from eight to ten. Uncharted, I guess, is back in theaters because that that uh, has a it opened
2: it opened somewhere. Yeah, like there's there's (laughs) no reason for it to go into five hundred.
1: Yeah, there, it, to, it to go
2: into it, another eight hundred theaters without right. some new market opening up. Like maybe it finally got right. into China.
1: Memory fell from nine to twelve. Father Stu ten to thirteen. Morbius made three hundred and one thousand dollars this past weekend, as opposed to the Batman, which made like almost forty. Which is funny to me. Um, that fell from eleven to fourteen. Ambulance uh, fell from thirteen to fifteen. The Duke twelve to sixteen. Petite Maman fourteen to seventeen. Happening nineteen to eighteen. Com- is SSL. 17 and 19, and the Batman rounding out the top 20. they dropped from 15 to 20, but it's, you know, everyone's now watching it on HBO Max. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple of debuts hither and thither. On the count of three at 21, Montana Story at 22, Pleasure at 23, The Innocence at 24, Mao at 28, and Jazz Fest, a New Orleans story at 29, Kamikaze Hearts at 37. Where we are worldwide, worldwide, baby. On the dime, baby. Batman, still the number one movie in the world with uh, Doctor Strange. Oh Oof. hang on. Look Doctor, at
2: that. Doctor Strange, I don't I'm with you. I don't think it hits the billion mark, but that's gonna be eight hundred million. Given the given yeah. how, given the landscape of the next couple of weeks. I mean, Top Gun's gonna take its lunch and that'll be the end of it.
1: Right. But it's got but, two weeks before Top Gun comes out.
2: Yeah, it's, again this
1: this weekend the big release is Downton Abbey.
2: Yeah, which is probably gonna take the top spot over the weekend, but
1: Right. But yeah, it took the whole 45 days just to get the $700 million for Batman. Look at where yeah. we're in week two of Doctor Strange and it's already at $700 million.
2: That's again, not bad. It, no, like, again, ne- neither of us ever argued this thing was going to bomb. Uh, my, I only pushed back on the billion dollar mark because I think in the current landscape, that's a really tall ask. And given its precipitous drop from last week, the next week's going to be a bit more telling. If it sustains another drop roughly equivalent, Mm -hmm. bearing in mind that it would be a drop of what's left i think that if next week it drops another 60 ish percent i think Mm -hmm. at that point it's impossible like i don't i think the buzz has also died down off of this oh yeah like that thing look that thing came out and anyone who was gonna see it saw it right some people i think some people might have waited a week some people might have heard bits of the buzz and decided to check it out but yeah, I expect that's going to keep dropping.
1: Yeah, I uh, think it gets fearless. to eight hundred million, but I think it tops out at just is. I think it tops out north of eight hundred million, but south of nine hundred million. I, I still yeah. contend it doesn't make a billion, which is weird because like you would think with only three hundred million to go to hit that point, and you know, in another month or so for it to do so, you you know, but it's got it. But in that month, you've got Top Gun, Maverick, and uh, Jurassic World.
2: Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah you're trying to you're trying to at that point sustain momentum that is unsustainable yeah, yeah in the current marketplace right. watergate like,
1: bridge currently number three at 626 million uncharted still in the top 10 at 395 million fantastic you know, uncharted
2: Beasts, will pro un, there's a decent chance uncharted is in the top 10 when the year's all said and done
1: maybe um fantastic beast the sequence of dumbledore at 379 Sonic the Hedgehog 2 at 3.55. Too Cool to Kill 2.17. Nice View 2.11. The Bad Guys at 166, And The Lost City at 165. Hey, look
2: what fell out of the top ten.
1: Morbius. To the shock of? No one. There we go. Uh, Morbius, Scream, Death on the Nile, Triple R, KGF, Jackass Forever, Dog the Northman, Detective Conan, and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Round out your top 20 and hey, hey look at
2: that ambulance couldn't crack the top 20 michael bay needs to stop making movies
1: i was going to say the same thing about roland emmerich who's currently his moonfall that he's whining and complaining about as that look number we all right- for the year
2: here's the only thing i'm going to say about emmerich mm-hmm. i think the man can still put together a compelling disaster movie it he, he just desperately needs a new writing collaborator I don't think uh, I, he, I, the I writing killed
1: him. I was talking to somebody about this where I just feel like, you know what? It was um, it's actually Sean Comer. We were talking about Boogie Nights on Monday. And I said, I think, yeah. that the, I think the biggest trend in Hollywood right now, the biggest negative trend is that you have all of these great filmmakers and nobody around them to say no. Like there doesn't, I think we get two kinds of films. I get, we get the singular vision of one man artist. Which lends itself to a lot of overindulgence, or we get product. Yeah,
2: there's, there's nobody.
1: There's nobody in the middle working collaboratively to just make the. You know, I I, I long for the tension of Metallica. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> everyone's trying to kill each other in that band, and the poor Kirk Hammett sitting in the corner, just just crying and jerking off. I mean, like I I long I long for a a director, a writer, a producer, and somebody else, and you know, an editor in the room going, no, George,
2: no, 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 Peter Jackson, no. We don't can need you, this. Can you imagine George Lucas making a Star Wars movie in this environment?
1: Oh my God, it would be so bad. <laughs> it would be like Red Notice bad. <laughs> Yikes. Could you imagine, Steven, like, Steven Spielberg gets so much credit for having brought magic to the people are in our age cohort in yeah. their youth. You know, Steven Absolutely. Spielberg was a god. Could you but but Steven Spielberg had Kathleen Kennedys around him and other people to say no, Steven. No, no, no. Kill your babies. And but
2: it's it wasn't just it wasn't just Kathleen Kennedy who helped out Spielberg. Uh, he had like a couple of longtime editors that he collaborated right. with who di- who did a magnificent job. Yeah, uh, with his material, and, and it feels like that element
1: of the Hollywood process is just gone. Yeah, either like no one's minding the store, nobody cares, no one wants to work collaboratively, no one wants to say no, you know, or all of those things. But because you or... have somebody, you know, like we, we're either like giving into indulgences or just nobody cares about the product anymore because the churn is the, the turnover is just so fast.
2: Because we have the Marvel checklist, and if you check everything off on the Marvel checklist, then everything works, right? Eternals. Well, I. It's
1: more than that. You know, look at like look at the whole Disney rollout process. Moon Knight ends. We get Obi Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan Kenobi is going to end, and we're going to get She Hulk. You know, between ju- just between Marvel and Star Wars, it's just an endless line. You you, you get nary a break
2: <laughs> between
1: be, it between product. The most,
2: It Doesn't help that most
1: of it's not good right 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 so that's my point you know and so and that's just one of these retail outlets look we'll at you know i'm i'm i was talking to somebody like i i will say this here now if you're a longtime fan of the Rattledge and broadcasting network um you know that i've put out the lion's share of content over the years there was a one point that i was recording seven days a week sometimes twice and sometimes three times in a day depending on what it was we were doing um it has done not irreparable damage to my, to my uh, personal life, but it's done significant enough damage that I had to draw back and fix it. Um, so without getting real personal about it, I'm cutting back to two days a week uh, at the end of the summer. And uh, one of the things that I'm cutting out is television. And Part of the reason why I'm cutting television out is because it's too fucking hard to keep up with. I mean, and it's,
2: see... and it's not worth it. Like, no. It, to anyone out there who who has a different perspective, enjoy what you enjoy. I'm not here to insult your personal taste about any yeah,
1: of. Yeah, no, this. no. This is not about the quality of television. That that varies person to person and project to project.
2: But if you went from, you know, we went straight from Hawkeye into a movie into Moon Knight into a movie into Obi wan Kenobi. Oh, don't
1: don't forget, we also had. Um... Oh gosh! Uh, to Doctor Strange. I was no, it was it was Hawkeye into Spider Man. Uh,
2: into... What if was sprinkled in there somewhere? What if was was last summer, but
1: uh, yeah, it, but I feel like there was something before Moon Knight, and I cannot for the life of me remember what it was. maybe nothing it doesn't matter. Oh, fucking Boba Fett. That's what that's what I was trying to say. Oh yeah, we, yeah. We, we went that from existed. Hawkeye to Spider Man to Boba Fett to Moon Knight, <laughs>
2: like. <laughs> to Obi Wan, to She Hulk, to yeah. the Marvels, to right. whatever.
1: With with Doctor Strange thrown in there for shits and giggles. I mean, with our but,
2: backdoor pilot for America Chavez.
1: Yeah. So my my point is, like, as much as I enjoy, I have treasured. I'm gonna try to say this without getting emotional. I have really treasured the ten year plus relationship that I have made with everybody that has worked with me. It gave their time away from their families. That spent hours and hours and hours debating the uh, ownership of Captain America's shield with me. It was a worthy endeavor and a worthwhile conversation. The best we've ever had. Um, Robert and I spent three hours talking about Jupiter's legacy. I don't know how many people actually heard that podcast, but I really enjoyed it, and I and I would not give that up for anything. There's no sp- way I
2: was on that.
1: <laughs> I've never seen.
2: I've never seen Jupiter's legacy.
1: Jupiter, the, the stupid comic book show we talked oh, about for three oh, hours.
2: Sorry, I was thinking of a different movie. Yeah, you, you no, you, thinking... you're entirely correct. Yeah, we talked we talked Jupiter's Legacy for a while,
1: like three hours, because we just spent we spent an hour just debating the merits of the death penalty on that show. We um, did. Jesse and one of my favorite podcast memories of the, of the most recent years was Jesse, Robert, and I spending three hours having a therapy session about Reffin and Too Old to Die Young,
2: and the damage that that did to
1: my soul, <laughs> <laughs> to all of our souls. We have had. You know, most recently Jesse at Alexis and I talked uh, Pam and Tommy, and it was great. You know, I've clipped I've clipped out two pieces of that show for TikTok uh, because they I I really believed in those conversations that I was having. Jesse and I had a really great conversation about Ozark. Look, there there's my point is that we've covered a lot of television on here, and it's not that I didn't have great conversations. It's that as soon as there's as soon as you do one show, five more spring up. Yeah. I can't get to it all. I could I, I, I would have to pretty much dedicate my podcasting just to television. I, I can't do it all. Nobody wants to do it all. Nobody expects to, to me to do it all. and it and it came to a point where I started looking at what it was I was doing and whether or not I was having fun with these things and whether and how much of this really mattered. And the conclusion I came to was the television stuff doesn't really matter. It, it just it just doesn't. I can't I cannot keep up with the rate at which this stuff gets turned out versus the level of competency involved in making these things i mean i think i think what broke me was boba fett
2: honestly oh i don't blame you for being destroyed by that show
1: the book of boba fett was so bad and i think that's what i started to realize like you know for every book of boba fett there's an invincible or the boys or you know pam and tommy or something but there's so much and and that's the other part about this is I've been talking forever about how I want to watch The Flight Attendant. I don't expect anyone to care about that, but I want to watch it. I like Kelly Kawako. She's funny and attractive, and and I've heard good things about The Flight Attendant. Want to know why I haven't watched it yet? Because no one wants to review it or talk about it. But I want to watch it. But I haven't because I don't have any time. Um, You know, I want to watch the second season of The Morning Show. Want to know why I haven't? See the first reason. And this goes on and on and on. You,
2: you should avoid <laughs> the second season of The Morning Show just because you should avoid the second season of The Morning Show. <laughs> this was not up for public debate, sir. Um, I
1: just, we... Look, that's that's my warning. If you <laughs> choose to ignore it, so be it. A year or two ago, I, I there was a period where I actually had time to watch stuff that I wasn't podcasting about. And I watched the first season of The Morning Show and I watched Mrs. America. And it was great. you know. And I watched Snowfall and I watched The Connors, And... You know, I don't talk about these things, so I can watch them at my leisure. Um, the last season of American Crime Story with Monica Lewinsky and Linda Tripp was great, and I really enjoyed it. And I would have talked about that with anyone that was interested, but nobody was. And I'm kind of missing the ability to just watch stuff and not have to worry about talking about it or keep keeping keep on a strict schedule of things. Um, so I don't know. I don't know why I went into all of that. I, I think I just need to kind of unburden my soul with it, uh, but. The point being that I want to go back to kind of just stick into movies and, you know, and some and some of the heavy metal that we do here. And, and that just is going and to be the end
2: of it. I'm sure on occasion you'll find a TV show or season that you feel compelled to discuss, but that will be the exception, not the rule.
1: Yeah, um, there's a handful of TV shows that I promise to do with people between now and the end of summer, and we're going to do those. And something else, and like I said, I don't want to. I don't want to say it's going to be gone forever. And certainly, if other people like Alexis or Robert or Jesse want to talk about a television show with somebody else, that option is being made available to them. But I'm not leading that charge anymore, and I'm not spending time on it. So, uh, so that's the money. <laughs> <Such as laughs> uh, it is. It. Uh, next week is Downton Abbey. That'll be the number one movie of the weekend, and then the following week is Bob's Burgers and Top Gun. Top Gun, apparent, is. Uh, Currently clocking in with a Rotten Tomato score of almost 100. percent Apparently, it is wildly popular among its intended audience of uh, middle-aged men and the sons they bring with them. So, uh, look for good things when Top Gun comes out. And so, with that, so,
2: hang on. So, what do we want to bet that your son comes out of that and goes, "That sucks. Take me to Morbius again."
1: <laughs> one shiny nickel, sir. One shiny <laughs> nickel. <laughs> I know a dumb bet when I hear one. All right. And with that, here comes. Uh, and with that, here is the critical review. No,
0: I said, are you ready? No, God! No, God! Please, no! 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 No!
1: All right, as you can see, Firestarter has a 12% splat among 107 critics. And not even the audience could save this one, 48%, with 100-plus with verified ratings in the audience score. The critical consensus reads, There was plenty of room to improve on the original, but Firestarter trips over that low bar and tumbles towards the bottom of the long list of Stephen King adaptations.
2: That's fair. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> no, que- no questions asked. <laughs>
2: uh, all right. Fuck, there's so many splats. <laughs> well, let's just find the usual occupiers of Knucklehead Row. All right. Um assuming they even reviewed this.
1: (laughs) Jay Hurtado of Screen Anarchy. Firestarter barely manages a spark when it should be an inferno. Dreheep.
2: Yeah. Shame on you. (laughs) Just shame on you for that.
1: Shame on you is fucking right, man. Um, Jason Bailey of Rolling Stone, top critic The effects are dodgy and unconvincing The emotional investment is nil The running time is only 94 minutes long Thus proving there may be in fact Be a merciful higher power out there It's still a four alarm
2: disaster Fun fact In the original novel uh, One of the things that Charlie's father wants her to do Yes Yes it is, yes, it is. <laughs> Uh, One of the, her father wants Charlie to tell the news media about what the, about this group, uh, the shop and what they're doing and whatnot. And he has some documentation and the movie concludes with her deciding that Rolling Stone is in fact the most uh, (laughs) ethical outlet, the the least corrupt journalistic (laughs) entity she could go to with this. (laughs)
1: Jim Shembri of com. Though the film is no horror classic and misses out on some of the joys of the original, it's a perfectly good little horror thriller oh. with a lot of nifty touches that bring this adaptation of Stephen King's 1980 bestseller to the present day.
2: Not really. Oh, yeah. wow. They talk about Wi-Fi. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: you self-employed loser.
1: Matt Conway of Battle Royale with Cheese, one of I our got, favorites here.
2: I got your cheese. It's down here. <laughs> uh <laughs> That would be the implication. I don't have to say it. As far,
1: <laughs> as, far as remakes go, Firestarter is a non-starter. Dereep. Why? Just <laughs> how lazy are you? Uh, Michael Talbot Hayes of Film Threat. This girl is on fire in the Uh. inspired and rewired adaptation of Stephen King's Fire Starter by director Kevin Thomas. Sorry, Keith Thomas. Oh.
2: (laughs) All of that was unpleasant. (laughs) Every single bit of it. (laughs) How? (laughs) Just no. No. How is this inspired? How in the world could you call this an inspired film?
1: It's not just inspired, Robert Winfrey of the Screaming Boy podcast. It's inspired and rewired. Yeah, I'm not doing that. (laughs) That's why I'm here. Yes. (laughs) All righty. Eddie Harrison of FilmAuthority.com. Oh, the authority here. Somewhat
2: less than incendiary stuff. Dirty Okay, one. How many of these idiots come up with just the worst writing bits about bad fire puns? Two. Hang on, hang on. No, wait, no,
1: wait, 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 wait. I gotta say this, Evan Bevins. If you're out there, I'm gonna need Presupably. you. To... <laughs> I need you, Evan Bevins. <laughs> I throw need up, you. Throw up the, throw up the Evan Bevins signal. <laughs> I need you to start like pimping yourself out as a pun writer because it seems like critics are in desperate need of good pun since that's half of the reviews that we, that we read on here. And Evan Bevins is so much better about it and so much more cheeky that I think he could make a good living writing puns for
2: reviewers. What do you think? Uh, I don't disagree with you. Here's the other thing. I'm going to, I'm going to give this guy a minor bit of, this is clearly a terrible excerpt from his review because you have ellipses at the beginning and end. Somebody mm-hmm. just thought we need this stupid pun well, to, I, be our in, to be our – There's, to be there's an editor at Rotten
1: Tomatoes in. going, "What we need quotes for the Firestarter review for our website. Pull everything that's a synonym of fire, which is like put Darby Allen with Sting because they both paint their face. Well, they don't really go together, and they don't—they're not—they don't fan not, for the same thing, and there's no reason to put them together. Yeah, but face paint. Okay, so so put the Road Warriors together with the Ultimate Warrior, but they don't really go together. They are two kind of two different things. Yeah, but 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 face paint. No, no, the there's
2: a lot more in common between those yeah. two groups than there is Sting and Darby.
1: You Allen. know that the only reason they got together though was the face paint is the point.
2: No, no. Okay, let's do something here fun for the second, because I enjoy doing this. (laughs) Oh, no. Let's count down the similarities between the Road Warriors and the Ultimate Warrior, if you don't mind. They're both muscular. Stop. Let me do this. Okay. Face paint. Barely comprehensible promos that get by on intensity more than actual... That's true.
1: (laughs) Clearly never read the book and know Stephen King because this person sees his books in every airport. Thank you, Jason. No, that's your brother. Sorry.
2: That's my brother. Yeah. So uh, hang on. We have face paint. Mm -hmm. We have steroids. Yep. We have barely comprehensible promos that get by on the intensity of delivery rather than the content of... We, We have that. We have that.
1: I like those on a woman.
2: We have terribly short matches most of which are squashes because they can't actually work and we also have a bunch of people who get overinflated egos about their positions on the card and who get screwed over by vince mcmahon more than once all right now you tell me where i'm wrong
1: no you were you were i, I <laughs> not even if i d- didn't believe you i'm not arguing with you though that's all right and yes <laughs> Then you have Sting and Darby, you have Sting, you have Darby Allen, who's like the jackass halfway suicidal skateboarder guy and Sting, who the only reason why he became dark Sting was because the fans and, you know, in the locker room didn't believe him anymore. And they turned him, they turned him dark because they thought he had become part of the NWO and Sting would never do that. And he's never quite been able to get away from any of this. Yeah. There's no the face paint. That was it. That was the whole uh, thing.
2: Again. Like you just made a. <laughs> I don't know why you decided that. Like your point about Sting and Darby Allen is entirely correct. I don't know why you then decided to double down and go <laughs> uh, oh, the I don't war... know. the <laughs> Ultimate Warrior and the Road Warriors.
1: Because because face paint. That's honestly was the connection. For me. <laughs>
2: because they have warrior in the name.
1: <laughs> Patrick McDonald of HollywoodChicago probably helped not having seen the first one, not knowing the King book. But I thought this is a professional reviewer. <laughs>
2: so I probably helps. It? I Probably. came into this with no prior background <laughs> about anything related. I, I did
1: to this. no preparation for my job today. <laughs> but I thought this was pretty good horror.
2: You, I dug the character
1: Wait, I dug the characters the most, the girl of course. the girl. The
2: girl. The, girl. the gr- I I do that shit. Why <laughs> in the world is this guy publicly admitting he digs the 12-year-old the most? <laughs> oh, that's
1: not what he meant.
2: I don't care what he meant. He wrote that and didn't, and at no point did he or an editor go, maybe we should reword this.
1: <laughs> uh, Damon Fudge of KCCI Des Moines, Iowa. Basically, his adaptations go, Firestarter is fine. It's, oh, it's not, not terrible. Yes, it is. But, but maybe not worth heading to the theaters for. In oh, Rotten Tomatoes not. vernacular, it's just entertaining enough for me to lean over to the fresh side of the fence.
2: Okay. Hang on. I appreciate that he qualified that appropriately at the end with, this is not me saying it's good, but on a pass fail, I think it leans toward a pass. I think that's a, I disagree vehemently, but he's not making an, he's not taking a ridiculous position. The future. F- no, I'll, no, this is a poor adaptation, for any number of reasons. And if you wish to get into the adaptation wars with me, you that's not a fight you wanna pick, buddy. You're not an authority in that particular area. You've clearly not done the research. You have no passion for it. Just don't.
1: All right, one more, and then we're gonna be done with this. Uh, the future ex-Mrs. Winfrey, Kate Sanchez of, but why though, a geek community? But why, Robert Winfrey, but why though?
2: don't know why they exist.
1: Firestarter isn't perfect itself, but it captures the Stephen King 80s and 90s heyday that I deeply miss. Okay. Oh, and, and whether you I'm sure you'd like her to. Whether you love King or not, the sweet spot uh, is where adaptations of his work thrive. No.
2: <laughs> uh, hold on. No. The sweet spot where, Kate, where the adaptation of Stephen King thrive actually varies wildly depending on which book you're trying to adapt and why, in the name of God, did Richard Roper give this a positive review?
1: <laughs> I don't know, but I went past it.
2: It's right there. Oh.
1: No, I, I moved on to the next page because I'm, I'm looking for my friend.
2: <sighs> He's not here. He didn't see it.
1: William Bibiani of The Rap, top critic, also of the critically acclaimed podcast with my good with my good best friend, Whitney Seibold, says, The movie is a long fuse. <laughs> But if you light it, no, William, no, it doesn't lead to a stick of dynamite. Stop, you're hurting me. It just leads to the other end of a fuse. Why, William, why?
2: Yeah, I don't know why you thought that was the <laughs> analogy you wanted to go with or why you decided to override it that badly. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, this is
1: this is really is the last one. Perry Nemeroff of Perry Nemeroff YouTube, formerly of Screen Junkies. We hate you, Perry. We hate you.
2: I don't hate Perry. Sure, you do.
1: Pa- For lack of better phrasing, it's a fire a movie with no spark, and this is why we hate you.
2: Okay, if you lack better phrasing than that, why in the <laughs> world are you doing anything in the English language as a profession? <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, folks, that is our fire. <laughs> Jason, uh, your brother weighing in. I just had a brain aneurysm. I'm sorry, sir, but that our pod our podcast tends to do that to people.
2: Just a bit.
1: All right. Uh, that wraps it up here for Damn You Hollywood. Next week, uh, on the Ox That Rocks, better known as the Human Beatbox, Robert Winfrey is going into the woods to live deliberately.
2: <laughs> Instead, not true, I will just not be on the podcast.
1: <laughs> Robert Winfrey will be painting the town red with blood. Um, <laughs> Uh, I will instead be joined. To figure by out David... which
2: town. You have to follow me on Twitter. <laughs> I will instead
1: be joined by uh, David Wright and Melissa Radlich, who will be going on a sexy polyamorous date together as they talk about Downton Abbey too. And I just Only try to hold them those... down when they're done.
2: Only one of those things is accurate. <laughs> i'm not telling you which i'm not telling you which uh, neither am i i'm just saying <laughs> only one of those is going to happen
1: uh so yes myself david wright and melissa rattledge will be my lovely wife will be reviewing downton abbey to the new era so check that out uh the week after that is myself and robert winfrey once again doing everything everywhere all at once finally we're getting to this it's the movie everyone's been talking about we're finally going to talk about it but we'll also we'll also talk about after gang and then in june We've got uh, Top Gun Maverick on June 7th. You might be wondering, hey, doesn't that come out the May 27th? It does, but I won't be able to see it until June 3rd. And then June 6th when I take my son. So I'm going to be seeing it twice. Um, there's going to be a special DMU Hollywood, not including Robert Winfrey, unless he wants to jump on this. But when he knows what we're doing, I can't imagine he'll be volunteering for this. Uh, because it's Pride Month, it's LBGTQ Plus Pride Month, uh, in the world. We are going to be celebrating it as well here on the Rattle Legend Broadcasting Network. So Sean and I, uh, much like Jason and I did for Black History Month, Sean and I are going to be doing a series <laughs> of shows. Why are you laughing?
2: <laughs> Why are you laughing, sir? There's nothing <laughs> funny about this. There is, if you think about it for a minute. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking
1: about. This is serious business. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) shut up. (laughs) So, (laughs) Well, there I go again. I've broken another person in the Rattling Broadcasting Network. No,
2: I'm doing this to myself. I'm drawing incredibly (laughs) unfair comparisons in my head that I'm never (laughs) going to utter.
1: I'm not even going to ask. So... There's going to be an Extra Damn You Hollywood on June 6th. It's going to be myself and Sean Comer. We will be doing uh, two LGBTQ plus new movies that are currently on streaming services, Fire Island and Master. Uh, Fire Island will be on Hulu and Master is on Amazon Prime. Uh, we'll go back a week. June 30th uh, begins our celebration of LGBTQ plus Pride Month here on the Legend Broadcasting Network. Uh, Sean and I will be doing a triple feature for Stonewall by Roland Emmerich. Basic Instinct and The Naked Lunch. So, yes, we're starting off this celebration of the LBTQ Plus community with three terrible movies in that genre. So, because that's how I do things. Um, well, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, I look at the good, the bad, and the uh, and the awful. Um, anyway, back to Damn new Hollywood. There'll also be a Damn Hollywood for Jurassic World, uh, Dominion, we will be doing a triple feature for three streaming movies. be myself, Robert, and uh, Alexis Hana. We'll be doing Chippendale, uh, Rescue Rangers, Spiderhead. Finally, has a release date after like you know a year. Of re- uh...
2: There's there's no way it keeps that
1: date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it keeps moving forever. And Father of the the Father of the Bride remake on HBO Max. So, Ooh. so yep, a double shot with me and Robert that week. Um, it'll be us three doing tri- Chippendale, Spiderhead, and Father of the Bride. And then the next day, Lightyear. And then back to Sean and I doing LGBTQ plus stuff. This is the good stuff right here. We'll be reviewing Benedetta, Brokeback Mountain, and My Own Private Idaho.
2: So That's the good stuff?
1: Yeah. for uh, My Own Private Idaho is considered a landmark film in new queer cinema. Did you know that? Did you know that, Robert Winfrey?
2: There's a lot of things that are landmarks. Not all of them. For the right, for quality <laughs> reasons.
1: An early 1990s movement in queer-themed independent filmmaking. Since its release, it has grown in popularity and has been deemed a cult classic, especially among the LBGTQ Plus audience. The film is notable for its then-taboo subject matter and avant-garde style. I'm excited about this. So, Benedetta, hey, broke Brokeback Mountain, ben- in My Own Private Idaho.
2: So, your sell- your selling point for this is, ba- is roughly equivalent to that of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> Sure.
1: Uh, and then finally, The Last Damn You, Hollywood for June will be a double shot. Um, people might be wondering, like, hey, I thought you guys only do one movie when it's um, out in theaters. Yeah, I, 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 I had shit to do, as I said earlier. I don't have time to do weeks and weeks and weeks of these. I got to double up some of them and I and there's just stuff I want to talk about. So it's like either we double up or we don't do it, and I'd rather I'd rather do them all, just just do them together. So we will be talking about two, count them two, in theater movies: the Black Phone and Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, which I'm really excited about. So you have to go to the movies twice in one weekend, Robert. How do you feel about that? Uh, not great, Bob. Not great. <laughs> Um, in July, we've got Minions, Thor: Love and Thunder, Where the Crawdads Sing, and then um, did that get added to our schedule? That uh, that got added by Jason. Jason put it in a request. Okay. So, all right, and that's that. That's the end of that. Uh, yesterday, uh, we had two two at a back to back recording session. First, myself and David Wright did an on trial for the first Downton Abbey movie, and then um, Sean Comer and I talked about my favorite thing, porn. In fact, we talked about porn adjacent movies. X, which is phenomenal, by the way, an absolutely wonderful uh, take on the slasher genre, Uh, an ode of sorts to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Go watch X by A24, my new favorite movie studio. Then Red Rocket, also from A24, not nearly as good as X, though. And then finally, the interminable Boogie Nights.
2: Yikes. But but Mark, you spent so long going, please, won't someone review the Red Rocket with me? Don't you understand? (laughs) This is the best thing ever. I have to see this. Don't haven't you seen the trailer? And then we saw the trailer, and we went, "Why are you so excited about this?" And he went, "Well, I'm not anymore."
1: <laughs> um, anywho, uh, almost Superblog-
2: verbatim from one of our chats, by the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Will there'll be a comic strip tomorrow for Term Life, which is part of the Super Blog Team Up celebration of Image Comics? And then in the evening, we are continuing our our look at uh, David Simon from The Corner to The Deuce. The great Works of David Simon. Uh This month's edition is Homicide, Life on the Street, Season 6. And then we were going to do Upload, but I don't have time to watch three television shows in two days. So I'm kicking Upload into August, and instead we will just be reviewing Picard Season 2, and that Ooh. is the week that... Yeah. And that is the week that was. Yeah, Robert Winfrey, uh, I hear you paint houses.
2: That's one adjective, sure. <laughs> tell you, tell us... That's a euphemism. Tell, All right. Tell us what you do, Bob. Well, I'm not watching Picard season two because I enjoy my mental health. <laughs> it's not a good show, people. I don't know what else to tell you. I'm committed. Or I, understand, committed. I understand. One understand two. Both. Yeah. Uh, th- this is just me saying, if you have one, pour one out for Mark having to watch Picard season two. <laughs> All right, come on, hurry up. I want to go to bed. Alright, as for what can you find me doing? In addition to all the stuff Mark already went over, I cover professional wrestling a few nights a week. Uh, This week that will be AEW's Dark Elevation from yesterday. I'm covering AEW Dynamite tomorrow because the normal AEW guy is at a thing. So it's me. I'm going to have to give one of these shows a bad review and that's going to get ugly in a hurry. (laughs) I got to be positive about the last one. I stepped in on short notice last week for Dynamite. And, well, Adam Cole didn't have an Adam Cole match, so I got to be positive. Uh, among other things. But I will be covering it this week. Uh, MLW, whatever they're putting out on Thursday. And then WWE SmackDown on Friday. Continue to follow the fallout of Sasha Banks and Naomi tossing their titles onto the desk of John Laurinaitis and going, you're a sexist pig, slapping him in the face and then walking out. Part of that is true. (laughs) Not not funny, John. John Laurinaitis is one of the worst people at his job. (laughs) Worst person in the world. I can't call him that, but (laughs) if he went away,
1: (laughs) things would get better. You say that, but the main problem, things are the way they are, has to go away first, and is much more important to the story.
2: No, no. Like, the the product markedly gets better when John Laurinaitis is not involved.
1: Okay, but I, the one that we really need to see go away is Vince.
2: I'm aware of your perspective on that, I'm not saying you're entirely wrong. I'm saying I've given up hope of wishing that Vince will go away. Gotcha. He will continue living on to the age of 165, based on pure spite.
1: <laughs> all right come on hurry up
2: so i'll be covering whatever they put out on friday and this saturday the ufc has an event you see espn plus 64 it's not a good card but i'll be covering it all of that stuff will be in the will be in either the professional wrestling or mma zones of 411mania.com so if any of that interests you please stop by and say hello i uh, also host the 411 ground and pound mma podcast so if you're interested in my thoughts and musings on technique matchups, businesses, uh, mostly related to mixed martial arts, but occasionally dipping into the wider world of combat sports. Feel free to give that podcast a listen. Wherever you're listening to this, you can probably punch that in there and find it. So that's where you can find me. And yeah, Mark, I wish you nothing but the best of luck in the muck you're about to wade through. (laughs) Thanks.
1: All right. Well, here's me in my muck. Uh, thank you, for, thank you for joining us here on Damn You Hollywood. Until next time, he's Robert. I'm Mark. Be well, be safe, and behave.